I am Katie Frederick, and I want to welcome you to this session on using YouTube and Instagram. We have a great panel of folks here today who are going to help us maybe get a little bit of an understanding of how we as, as people who are blind or experiencing vision loss can, can use these platforms and also what are some of the challenges with using these platforms because I know for me, uh, getting to do video and, and things is rather complicated. So I um, want to welcome everyone here and I want to also welcome our facilitator, uh, Mika, who is here doing a great job helping all of us get in our places and get settled. So thank you so much. And you have the magical code for us, correct? I do, I do. And um, just as clarification, this is the code. This is the CEU code only for those who registered for CEUs. So if you've registered, you know that. It is 37A as an apple. One seven. Again, it is three seven A as an apple. One seven. Thank you so much. I next want to turn it over to Greg Lindbergh, who's going to talk a little bit about ACB Next Generation. So, Greg. Yes, thank you, Katie, and thank you, everyone, for joining us today for this uh, pretty exciting workshop. So this is being put on by ACB Next Generation, and we are the newest uh, special interest affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We just uh, became an affiliate this year, and so we are designed for members who are under the age of 40, um, but we certainly welcome anyone over age 40 as a supporting member. Uh, if you'd like to join as a member, you can just send an email to acbnextgen at gmail.com. So that's A-C-B-N-E-X-T-G-E-N at gmail.com. And you can also find us on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash acbnextgen. Or you can just search for ACB Next Generation in the search box on Facebook. So we look forward to having you join us as a member. And Katie, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Excellent. Thank you, Greg. We have invited three panelists to come and talk to us today, and they've graciously given us over an hour of their time on a, on a Sunday, and we really appreciate that. So thank you, panelists. We have with us Ashley Nemeth, who is a uses Instagram and YouTube. We also have Lucy Greco, who is a YouTube streamer. I think that's the right term, and she'll let us know if I'm correct on that. But she uh, posts on YouTube. And we have James Rath with us as well, who is active in the social media space. So I thought what we would do is give each panelist some time to share their story and kind of how they got involved and how they started out in the social media space. And, and then we will have some prepared questions as a panel that we have for our three panelists. And then after those questions, 
we will turn it over to the audience for questions. So please hold your questions until, until we ask for them and we'll get to them as we have time at the end. So first, um, Ashley, would you like to introduce yourself to the audience here and kind of tell how you, how you got started on your journey in the Instagram world? Anything else you'd like to share as an introduction, please? Sure. Um, hello, everyone. Um, like Katie mentioned, my name is Ashley Nemeth. I'm from Saskatchewan, Canada, and I'm totally blind. And I got into social media kind of on accident. Um, I had started a blog um, kind of in between. I have, was partially sighted for most of my life and then lost um, all of my vision in my early 20s. Um, and so I was really frustrated um, with where where things were at and the lack of advocacy that was happening. So I started a blog um, out of that frustration that I never thought anybody would read. Um, so it kind of started out as like a, a website where I would go and rant um, <laughs> about the lack of advocacy, lack of accessibility. Um, and then as people started to read my blog, um, I got into Instagram a little bit um, and started growing that um, around the same time I got my first guide dog because everybody loves dog pictures. So I thought, why not? Uh, and it gave me another platform, which then went into YouTube. And now I've been creating YouTube videos for a couple of years as well. So that's kind of how I got started um, with this whole uh, social media kind of thing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley, for that. And we will kind of come back and talk to you a little bit more about about that as we as we move forward. Um, next, Lucy, would you like to introduce yourself, please, and tell us um, how you got involved in social media? Sure. So um, my social media journey started with Twitter and a blog. Uh, again, I was writing a blog many, many years ago uh, for the G3ICT uh, group, and I, I really enjoyed it. It was great to have people comment on the blog post and tell me things, you know, that they liked about it and disliked about it. So that was, you know, a little addictive. And then work uh, told me I had to have a Twitter presence. So I created a Twitter account and I found that an amazing uh, channel for information news and connecting with peers around the world. So I'm an accessibility specialist in my, in my real life. And I connect with all kinds of accessibility specialists all over the world through Twitter. But my fun real life is I've always enjoyed cooking and I've always enjoyed teaching other blind people how to cook. I, you know, Before I got a job as an access specialist, I actually did in-home living skills and went to people's homes and taught them how to do the basics for cooking. And my husband loves watching YouTube and he loves watching YouTube cooking videos. I thought... I could do that and I could teach more people that way. And so I uh, borrowed a friend's GoPro camera and started creating cooking videos. And it's a lot of fun. It's been a difficult journey. Uh, I've had to learn a little bit about the technology and I upgraded and um, I can talk a little bit later about uh, the equipment, but needless to say, I am no longer using a GoPro. 
And I'm really enjoying having a YouTube channel. And it's, it's you know, it, it's very ego stroking to go in and look at your views, I'll tell you. <laughs> That's where I get my motivation is I like working with people and I like seeing how many people enjoy what I do. Great. Thank you so much, Lucy. And again, we will come back to you for, for some questions. And next, James, would you please share your story of how you became involved with social media? Yeah, I'll keep it brief. Um, so I am most proactive on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And it actually started in 2006. I was about 9 or 10 years old, and I created my YouTube channel. Uh, I just am always sort of thinking a little bit more forward when it comes to technology. I'm just a big fan of it as I'm actually a filmmaker. Uh, I do a lot of directing with uh, companies for commercial purposes or documentaries like, like Tommy Hilfiger and Apple and uh, other brands. And so getting started was really me experimenting, learning how to storytell and throwing that up on YouTube, which I just thought was the coolest thing that I could record something because my dad grew up making uh, short films with his friends that eventually went on to do bigger things in Hollywood. And I, they, they would always show me these uh, videotapes that they did in their, in their neighborhoods um, back in the seventies and stuff. Uh, so I thought it was really cool that I could just do something similar, but now share it with a global audience and, you know, whether it gets 20 views or 50 views or a thousand views, like that's still more people than just my immediate family. And, and neighborhood friends. So that's pretty much what got me started. And then as I sort of continue to practice that, uh, I learned how to edit on different programs. I learned um, how to utilize different accessibility and assistive technologies with a lot of the software that is compatible with it, I should say. Uh, and yeah, from there, it's just sort of grown into me moving out to Los Angeles, using YouTube as a platform to put my messages out there, my advocacy. And making sure that the right people see that, whether again, it's it's people from Apple or Tommy Hilfiger's agencies or wh whomever it might be, and um, getting these opportunities to do bigger works and bigger projects outside of YouTube. Great, thank you so much. That's a really interesting story. And it's, it's really great to hear how you've all kind of approached this in different ways and different phases. So now we have some questions that we would like to ask the panelists here. And Greg, I believe you have the first question. Yes, sorry about that. So the first question here, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about videos and actually creating videos. Um, so let's start, uh, let's start with Lucy. Uh, Lucy, as, as far as creating videos, how do you actually go about creating a video? You know, what is the accessibility challenge or, or process involved in that like? And then also specifically, do you create, you know, the video? Can you actually create it through Instagram or YouTube? Or do you actually create it beforehand and then upload it to those platforms? Thank you, Greg. Um, just by the way you asked the question, you you made me ask a question. Can people do that? Can you really create through Instagram and YouTube and do all the work you need to do there? Because 
that's that's news to me that that can happen. So no, I actually pre-record all my files. I take a camera into my kitchen and I get my husband to do the primary focus for me, make sure that the camera's pointed at me and not at the back wall. And then I record the files. Uh, ends up being multiple files. I tried doing a continuous stream where it was, you know, the whole process. And one of my friends said, nobody wants to watch that. You, you've got to cut it down. So now I do strategic shots and I, you know, talk through what I'm doing. If I make a mistake, I redo it. But um, then I take all those files and I am a multi-platform person. I use Windows in my work, but I was never able to find a good video editor for Windows. So I take those files onto my Mac and I use a product called uh, ScreenFlow to do my editing. And I found ScreenFlow a very simple process for editing. It does the basic stuff. I'm not doing anything fancy. One of these days I'd love uh, somebody to teach me what half of those features are in that program that I never use because maybe my videos would be better. But right now all I literally do is get rid of all the goofs and flub ups and you know, clip all the files together and then post that up to YouTube and then share on my social media feeds. Inaccessibilities, uh, just to go back to your question. The YouTube uploading, I find painful at best. It's not a very consistent program. YouTube has two different interfaces for that. And I switch back and forth between those interfaces for different parts of the process. The literally getting the file on there is the simplest part. The application has a standard dialogue that I use to get into the, um, to get the file up onto YouTube. Then it's going in and setting all the tags. And uh, the one thing I really want to uh, push hard to YouTube is since I'm an accessibility expert, I am a firm believer in captions and the captioning process is not at all accessible. As far as I'm concerned, it's a terrible process. Even if I took the transcript and edited it offline, getting the transcript back into YouTube, it's not easy. And that's the one thing that I really am disappointed in is I want my videos to be accessible to everyone and not having a transcript that's edited correctly is not an is not an accessible experience gotcha yeah and i honestly did not phrase my question originally uh correctly i meant to ask about you know editing the actual editing process within the platforms which you definitely explained well um so james let's turn to you what is your approach to creating and editing video content yeah for me it I'm using Final Cut Pro uh, on the Mac operating system. I have, in the past, used... Um, I, I started with Windows Movie Maker and found iMovie eventually. And that was around the time when I had a little bit more sight. Uh, but now I typically use Final Cut Pro with uh, a 5K iMac, uh, 5K 27-inch display. And as well as that, I use magnifications of zoom and speak zoom so uh speak zoom will essentially read aloud 
any of the labels within Final Cut. Final Cut should be accessible with VoiceOver from my experience. Uh, I know it's a pretty complicated software, so there may be some learning curve to that as well. But that's typically where I do most, if not all, my editing. Sometimes I do work with an editor for bigger projects, uh, but that just comes down to my time, budget, all of that, and that, that's kind of a rare occasion. And when it comes to actually exporting and, and sharing on these platforms, uh, I personally try to do things on desktop mainly because of that large display. Um, I'm a heavy screen reader user on mobile, and that's where um, there will definitely be barriers, uh, especially I've been trying to utilize Instagram more. I've been growing a bit of uh, more of a following for video content on Instagram, but I have a lot of accessibility gripes with uh, Instagram and its current layout and, and accessibility offerings. So it's it's a door I'd like to knock to try and uh, make that platform a little bit uh, better in in, uh, in terms of content creation for, for blind, low vision users. But uh, as of right now, I try to do it on an iPad, I, but it's still using the iPhone version of the app. And uh, it's still, again, just comes down to a lot of hiccups. Um, I use, I make sure that most, if not, um, well, all my content is um, captioned as well, but I do use Rev as a service. So I, I go through Rev and they provide captions for me, but I know uh, a lot of people, you know, will also make their own captions and that's, a very fair argument to make about um, YouTube's current system. It's it's not going to be friendly, and it's very inconsistent with their new updates to the uploader. So, whereas the captions are still in the old caption systems on the old layout, the uploader is on the new layout. And I heard there's a lot of screen reader issues even with the new layout. So, anytime I've uploaded though using a screen reader, it's been through the mobile app. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much been my process from editing to exporting to uploading. Nice. Okay. And then uh, Ashley talks about your process as far as creating and editing video content. Um, so um, in my work life, I'm a Windows user, JAWS user. Um, but for video editing and everything I do, I'm strictly a Mac user. Um, I prefer the Apple interface. So for YouTube content, um, it depends on what kind of content I'm creating. Um so if uh, I'm using like a bigger camera, like a DSLR, you know, those kind of things, but all of are my iPhone or those are two main things that I use to film. But um, when it comes to the editing, um, I just upload all the files onto my Mac. Um, I use iMovie. Um, I have started into Final Cut Pro, um, but it is a learning curve. And um, iMovie has done really well for me um, with basic things. So I can, you know, and insert tiles and all of that um, using as using a screen reader. So I'm a strictly a voiceover user as I'm a, I'm totally blind. Um, so, and then when I want to upload my video, I actually just put it into, into my, like I share it to my iPad pro and I upload from my iPad because I find the interface for YouTube to upload from there um, better um, than you know, kind of the, the interface on my desktop. So um, using voiceover, it's just easier on my iPad. So that's my process for YouTube. Um, when it comes to Instagram, I'm fairly active on Instagram and I 
typically take the photos outside of Instagram using voiceover and then we'll post them. The only time I'm using the interface for the um, for Instagram to create content is if I'm creating stories and I just kind of have figured out where the button is because it's not accessible um, necessarily with a screen reader. So um, if I'm creating video content on Instagram, though, I'm creating it outside of Instagram and then putting it up on Instagram. And when it comes to my, like the, the text within Instagram that I'm creating, I create that text outside of Instagram as well, because Instagram doesn't always read out what you're typing and isn't it's not great it's not a great system like we've heard um, from james so i create that content in pages on my phone and then i just um, paste it into uh, instagram and then create the um, alt text for instagram as well um, all using my phone so it yeah it really depends on how or what kind of content i'm creating but i kind of do a combination of, of both but mm-hmm. there's a lot of different devices involved in putting that content out Gotcha. And Katie, did you want to take the next one? Absolutely. So it sounds like we've, we've had some good discussion about, about these, these devices and there, it sounds like the, you know, whether you're using the computer or the, you know, a tablet or a smartphone, right. It sounds like they all kind of have their accessibility um, workarounds that, that we have to deal with. So, so that's an interesting, um, you know, point. And I think a lot of you mentioned, you know, using the, the Mac and the Apple products and, you know, would, would you say is, is that kind of because of the, the more built-in accessibility features that they offer? Um, Ashley, I think you said that that works best for you, correct? I know you use Windows and work life, but, but you find that the, the Mac and or the iPhone and iPad just work a little bit easier for your workflow. Yeah, I would say, yeah, I'm a proficient JAWS user as well um, and would have no problem doing it on JAWS. My preference is Apple, um, especially if I'm using my like an iPad or an iPhone. Um, my preference would be Apple um, all the way. So, um, you know, and they all talk to each other, which makes the process easier. So between my yes. watch, my phone, my iPad, my computer, it all <laughs> talks together, right? So I hear um, you. Sometimes it talks at of, the same time. <laughs> yes, exactly. And that kind of, I find that streamlines my process so I can use whatever platform I need, you know, within those devices. Absolutely. And Lucy, what about you? Would you, would you agree with that, that you find the, the Apple and Mac interfaces a little bit more, meet, meet your needs a little bit better when it comes to accessibility of, of some of these interfaces? I'm going to say only for video production. Uh, I am... I, I am an expert screen reader user, both NVDA and JAWS for Windows. And I am very uncomfortable in the Mac platform in general for anything product- productivity-wise. You know, I, I just find doing things like word processing and communicating back and forth with my colleagues is much harder on the Mac. But when it comes to the video production, it's hands down for the Mac. Um, the applications... I've tried all three applications. I've tried iMovie and I found the iMovie interface far too difficult for me to learn and far too inconsistent. And I just, I rely on accessibility and I found that the iMovie application was nowhere near as accessible as Final Cut Pro. But uh, 
I'm also not getting paid for what I do. This is something I do for the love and the fun of it. I've not yet ever monetized any of my content. So I'm not going to spend money on Final Cut Pro. Um, you know, ScreenFlow in comparison is a $39 price tag and has a lot of the same features. And I found the interface was nowhere near as cluttered. And it is very customizable. You can create a keyboard command for every single action that you want to do in the application. Uh, again, 95% of the features and functionality is stuff I don't know how to do, and I've not tried it. But every single thing you can do in that program can have a keyboard shortcut, and you can wow. modify and create it for yourself. That's, um, that's pretty remarkable. Yeah, so it was an easier it was an easier application to learn how to use. And I started using it before I went into becoming a YouTube creator because I was using it to do screencasts of my um, web accessibility reviews. I would go through an application and record it using ScreenFlow and then edit the video there. So I was already familiar with the platform. I had tried so many different video editing applications on Windows and they all have the same functionality, but they're not as accessible. There was no, you know, not one of those things had a good keyboard command to them. Mm -hmm. Great. Thank you so much. And, and James, do you have any more to add to this about, about your experiences? Again, I'm getting the sense that it's kind of the Apple way, hands down, when it comes to some of this, this video and, and audio and photo production. Uh, do you have any, any comments you'd like to share as well? Yeah. I mean, I'll never knock what platforms people use because some things work for all sure. kinds of people in different ways. Um, personally, for me, I've, I've found with a lot of the low vision tools that I need, um, especially earlier on, that Apple's technologies worked a lot better, especially at the time when I transitioned. It was around 2008. And I found that at least the built-in or the paid for services uh, on Windows just did not cut it for me. And that's what compelled me to switch. And then iMovie and then eventually Final Cut Pro 10 um, became just my my comfortable home for video editing. And it's it'd be really hard if, if something were to happen, like Apple were to just decide to shut down their video production software uh, teams or, or uh, anything along those lines. I, I don't know what I do. I'd probably take a nice hiatus and try to figure out what's next. But, um, you know, they're thriving. They're doing well. And um, it also comes down to, I know... Um, Lucy had mentioned the the price tag for Final Cut, and yeah, it is it is two ninety nine. Um, if this is something you are investing in, I think, um, and, and you are looking to monetize, Final Cut is a great investment for right now because of the pandemic. They they're doing like a ninety day free trial, um, so that's extended. And then beyond that, you're not locked into like on the Adobe side with Premiere or Rush. The pay each month model so it's it's i paid that 299 back in i think it was 2010 or 2011 and i haven't had to pay for anything and that's that's what i use in my uh, adulthood now for my career so it's it's um it's really i think uh, been a great investment for me personally and continuously I, i've worked with the final cut guys to do some uh accessibility testing as well as uh, uh just kind of testing new features in the past but i've uh I've loved what they do and they have a very big passion and, and uh, to create an accessible video editing platform and they always accept and take feedback. So great. Thank you so much. And 
Greg, you have another question for our panelists? Yeah, so I know a big question that a lot of people have, you know, if you're blind or low vision, you're thinking to yourself, you know, especially if you're taking video of yourself, how do I center myself? How do I make sure that I look good, that I'm, you know, in the right position if I don't have sighted assistance, for instance? And uh, so let's talk kind of about that process. And uh, let's, uh, let's start with Lucy on that one. So, frankly, I'm a spoiled, rotten little brat. I have a husband. <laughs> he does the centering for me and, the, the, the you know, sets the scene. But then he walks away. He refuses to be on camera. He refuses to be anywhere near it. So he'll, you know, set it once and leave. Um, it's really important what equipment you use. It's, some equipment is easier and harder than others. Uh Initially, I said, you know, I was using a GoPro and the GoPro was really hard for him to set that and get a good scene. And you know, if, he, if we had to have him come back because maybe I moved from the counter to the stovetop, it was always really, really tough. And then I realized just recently, you know, I hate the GoPro. It's not working for me. I do these videos for fun. I do these videos to entertain myself as well as others. And the inaccessibility of the GoPro was causing pain and agony. So I'm going to put a promotional uh, push in here for BH Camera in New York. They have a wonderful online store. The website's not great. I'm not going to suggest you go to their website, but call them up. And they helped me come up with a really great equipment setup. Uh, I told them exactly what I was doing. I said to them, I'm blind. I need a camera that's going to be, you know, Tell me when I'm recording and when I'm not recording, because that was one of my issues with the GoPro is uh, it would just turn off randomly. So parts of my video would be gone. And so they found a camera that had distinctive beep phones for me. They found a camera with a really nice tactile remote control. They gave me a good microphone and a really great light setup. So VH camera is willing to help anyone and they'll work at your budget. Of course, it didn't work at my budget because I decided to go overboard and went four times my budget. So, <laughs> yeah, I've spent the money on the equipment, and I might, uh, I might spend money on Final Cut Pro in the future, but I need to get more viewers first. It did seem very accessible when I played with it on a friend's computer. It seemed really nice, but it just, you know, a $295 price tag for something that was really hard to learn. Was, was out of the picture at the time when I had maybe a hundred viewers total between my 10 videos. Right. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's a great tip about the, you know, that a company would actually go out of their way really to assist a customer and make sure that they're getting the equipment they can actually use. They were really good. I mean, I ended up going between four different departments and they were just, you know, ever helpful. Uh, if anyone's interested, the camera I bought is an, uh, a Sony A53 video camera, and I, I've not had any accessibility problems with it. My husband did have to do the initial date and time setup, but mm -hmm. that's... Right. Nice. Thank you for that. And then, Ashley, uh, talk to us about your experience and your process as far as lining yourself up on video. Yeah, so it depends on what uh, platform I'm using. So if I'm like doing a sit down video with like my DSLR, um, I 
set it up um, by myself uh, in, you know, in the kind of direction that I think I would like to use. And then uh, to one of, I guess, two or three ways, um, I will make sure that it's, you know, I'm getting what I'm wanting. Um, and that's to ask my husband um, or one of my children um, and then or else use um, an app, you know, that will help me with that as well. Um, but I try to do it as do most of it um, myself, um, if if ever possible. Um, so I just kind of like set up my chair first and work backwards um, from where I'm going to be sitting and and hope you know kind of hope for the best. Um, so with creating content um, videos with my iPhone. So if I'm ever doing like a vlog style uh, video, I use my iPhone, and I just have. Um, Either I have earbuds in, so I can hear the voiceover, but nobody else can. Um, or if I know I'm not moving too much um, and I don't want to wear headphones, I'll just mute the speech and, um, you know, kind of get myself centered, mute the speech, um, and then continue on filming that way. Um, all of my photos are usually taken with my iPhone, um, and I use voiceover um, to get myself centered or, you know, that kind of thing. Um but I really don't worry about, you know, if I'm centered or, you know, it just tells me if, you know, one face in the top left corner. I mean, I'm definitely not going for perfection. Um, and then with my DSLR, I just kind of point and shoot. And then my husband and I will go through my photos and, and pick the best ones, um, you know, that turned out. But that's kind of my my way is I just take a whole bunch of photos and then um, get my husband or my kids or someone to help me. And if I'm by myself, I just take one and hope for the best. And, you know, if the mean comments come in, um, you know, it's fine. <laughs> it's not, you know, I'm not going for perfection, so <laughs> it doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And just to, to clarify, I know like, you know, as far as taking a selfie, for instance, it will say on, you know, an iPhone with voiceover, it'll say, you know, one face centered or mm -hmm. left or right corner or whatever. Does it do the same with video as well then? Yes, it does. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, nice. And uh, James, how about your approach to video? Um, so I will primarily shoot Canon or iPhone. Uh, it really just depends on the project and what platform it's really on. If it's Instagram for original content for Instagram, typically it's just an iPhone. Uh, and then I'll either edit that within Final Cut or make it easier for myself and just do it on an iPad uh, for quicker workflow, perhaps, uh, in terms of like the transferring and uh, transferring back. AirDrop, though, is amazing and makes all that a lot easier. Uh, so yeah, uh, Canon though, typically it's, I use the remote tool, which is, so essentially you can set up your Canon cameras to be remotely accessed through either an iPad or iPhone or honestly any kind of device. I think there's an app available for some cameras and then there's just a, you connect to the Wi-Fi signal that is given off by the camera with whatever device could be a computer, Android tablet, whatever it might be. And you can just go to the webpage and control your camera from there and get like a live preview. Uh, I don't know how accessible those always are with screen readers as typically I've been just using zoom magnification and speak screen um, for that. But that's been pretty much my workflow. Um, again, I think there's a lot of real what, like authenticity when it comes to these kinds of platforms like your what ashley said about 
striving for perfection isn't unnecessary because people are just looking to connect with people in a very kind of raw format. And yeah, it's good to have something that's nice looking or nice sounding, but it shouldn't take away from the story. If, if that's where, you know, you're putting all your energy in, in, in is the production value. Um, so whatever you're trying to share the message, I think is the most important at the core. And to some extent, yeah, people are just really just trying to connect and, and not watch a Netflix quality, you know, TV series um, on Instagram or YouTube. So. Right. I agree with you. That's uh, 100% the case. The only critical comments I've gotten are from children. And the child said, oh, it was a little too dark in that scene. But that, that was, that's really, nobody cares. I mean, I've cut the top of my head off and nobody really cares. Got you. All right, Katie, back to you. Yeah, so that's really interesting about about the the dialogue about the you know I think I think a lot of us, including me, who I have to be I'm going to be on video later tonight, and I'm I'm a little stressed. You know, I want to make sure I, I'm centered and I and I want to present well, and so I'm I'm going to you know work with with Ira and things to make sure that that happens. But I think you raise a good point about especially in the social media space where you know there is that that line of you know yes we do want to present ourselves well, of course, and we do want the best images that we can, but, you know, it may not need to be, to be perfect. I'm sure there are, there are probably some, some sighted people who post some images that it's hard to see or something too. So I think that's kind of a, a good point to keep in mind as we're, you know, thinking about possibly venturing into these spaces is that, you know, we, we, we want to do a, as good a job as we can, but we don't need to, to get it perfect. And it, you know, that might not be achievable right, right up out of the box. So, I want to kind of move on and we've, we've talked a little bit about this, so you, you might not have too much more to add or to comment about, but, you know, apps like, you know, Be My Eyes and Ira are, you know, can be really useful and helpful in our daily lives a lot as people who are blind or, or have vision loss. And so I'm wondering, do, do either of any of you, I know you talked about using, you know, some family supports and things that you have available, but have any of you used any apps like Ira or, or Be My Eyes to help get your content, either create, edit it, or get it up onto your social media platforms? This is Ashley. Um, I have. Uh, I've used Ira. Um, I've also used Be My Eyes. Um, if I'm filming, uh, sit down with my, you know, my Canon camera. Um, I have used um, Ira or Be My Eyes to get it set up Um it just if you know nobody else is around that kind of thing but it doesn't happen very often um as for like uploading content onto instagram or youtube or any of that i've never used um either um, but i do know of people who have utilized um you know both be my eyes and ira you know to help them upload content and get familiar with instagram and, and things like that great thank you this is this is lucy i tried early on to use ira um I, I had a trial account and I was using it and I tried to get them to help me edit. And all I wanted them to do really was help me figure out what the different buttons did because some of the buttons didn't have labels. Sure. And it was a painful process. So I just gave up. <laughs> it, and it, it literally, literally getting the phone call connected at that point in time, it was when it was still mostly minutes Mm -hmm. I, I would have paid $300 by the time the agent and I had finished. It was lucky it was on a free trial. 
because sure. and the agent knew less than I did. Mm-hmm. So, right. So you were you were having to kind of educate your agent a little bit and walk them walk him or her through the process, or at least yes. And on all I needed them to do was tell me what the label and the button I was right. Was yes, really tough. But I have used be my eyes to focus the camera once or twice, and I'll literally just use my phone, point the be my eyes camera at the phone, and say, "What do you see in that shot?" And then I'll show them what I want that wanted to see, and then they'll help me move it left or right, up and down. So it it has worked before. I just it was quick and simple, and only for quick and simple stuff would I use remote remote apps like that. Great, and. James, do you have anything to add to this? Um, yeah, for, I mean, so I haven't used too many apps in terms of um, for for site assistance when it comes to setting up my shots or anything. I have used them in videos in a sense. So I did like a documentary traveling to Turkey this past. I, I released it in May. The trip was in January before um, everything shut down. And... I, I did actually use Be My Eyes in a video to kind of like dis- get a description of the view. I was like 300 feet in the air, like on this like tower that's been, that was built in like the 1300s. And it was, it was just really cool to like have someone describe this. So in a way I kind of got this like audio description of what was happening from just a very personal guy in the, like, I think it was, he was in Boston or uh, yeah, I think it was like Boston and yeah, it was just, it was cool. Um, but in terms of actual production, not necessarily behind the scenes. All right. Thank you so much. And Greg, you have our next question. Okay. Yeah. So digging a little more specifically into social media, let's talk about, you know, how to actually build an audience, how to get those followers, you know, how to engage with others and get them to respond uh, let's uh, let's first start uh, this time with James. Talk to us about your process there. Uh, so this is always a a tough question because it's for me. My goal with YouTube and, and social media and everything has been, and I I made a whole video about this uh, recently back in it was back in January. It was called like fourteen years on YouTube what this looks like essentially. And I, I talked about, showed videos that I made back when I was like 10 years old all the way to like today and what sort of changed. But then I really try to highlight the big opportunities that came from just broadcasting, put myself out there and trying to target the right people. Um, so I ne- I've never strived to try and like go viral or, or, or you know, make YouTube the end all be all. Because I don't really believe in that. You know, this platform could shut down tomorrow, right? And I got to figure out where to go from there. So I always try to keep offline versions of all my videos. Uh, Luckily, YouTube even lets you... They are a little bit lower quality, but it does let you download all of your content that you've ever uploaded to them. So in case I did ever delete or lost the file, I can do that for now. But these these platforms are not guaranteed. They're, They're free to use for the most part. All of them should be. And they're just they provide us a service that we benefit from. Um, and so, so for me, it's always just been about trying to get the opportunity. And, and so building relationships with these brands or with, with um, specific people, like one of my um, partners 
who I made that documentary with at travel doc, he found me through YouTube. I made a video about like, here's what my vision looks like. So I emulated how my vision looks like in final cut and showed like what nystagmus, what this vertigo is doing activities such as like just walking around and, and riding a horse and, and all these kind of bizarre things I, I tried doing for, um, for, for this weekend. And he came across it. He's like, I got two kids that were just diagnosed. I'm trying to learn. I don't know. I'm scared. I'm a parent who has never heard of um, even the term legally blind or anything. So, so he, we met up, he's a film director and we started a partnership in a sense and, and uh, created videos together. So again, for me, it's, it's never been about building that audience, but it really does. There are some best practices you can definitely do. I try to optimize my tags. Um, if I was to give like a real tip uh, for YouTube, and this is something they don't tell you, but essentially write your tags out as if they were search terms. Don't just put like um, blind assistance um, guide uh, voiceover, like as individual words, you can fit those in maybe towards the end, but really try to like, if your video for instance is um, how to use voiceover on iPhone, right? If that's the title of it, your tag should reflect that. So your tag should be something like a full on phrase, like, voiceover on iPhone, how to use voiceover, how to turn off voiceover. I think that's the most searched one um, from sighted people trying to figure out how to get this off their phone. Um, <laughs> but it could be beneficial because then you can still educate people on like what this is and, and how to turn it on and how to turn it off in all the ways. But regardless, again, optimize your tags, um, make sure the description is relevant to the title and that will bring in the most viewership for YouTube. Instagram, of course, taking advantage of hashtags. Um, it's a little bit simpler because hashtags are just simple phrases. Um, you have to put like hashtag in the post and then whether it's accessibility or blind, and then you'll, sh you'll show up in the discovery of when people are searching for that. So that, that's like my real like technical metadata tip for that. Um, and there's, there's a lot of practices you can learn and, and it's trial and error. So just keep kind of practicing. They'll come. Don't try to do it for the views because that won't, that will just kind of, um, I think they'll burn you out quicker. So just try to find the fun in it. Try to do everything that you can to share a message. And again, if the qualities or the content, um, the storytelling is worth it, people will come. Right. Very well said. And just briefly, I did want to pause and again, mention that this session is being uh, presented by ACB next generation, which is uh, for members under 40. And if anyone is interested in becoming a member, you can send an email to acbnextgen at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching for ACB Next Generation. Also, I did want to mention that dues are just $15 a year, so very affordable. Uh, so let's move on to Ashley. Talk about your process of building an audience. Well, for me, um, very similar to James, as I didn't start um, this journey in social media uh, for the views. I did it because um, I this isn't my nine to five. I, I have a, I have a nine to five outside um, of YouTube and my blog, um, and I really just wanted to use my voice to create change. Um, and I got so frustrated with all of the. Um, stigma and misperceptions that are out there. So um, my videos really are just to try and educate. So, you know, if one person watches my video and then thinks, oh, blind people can get dressed by themselves, that's a win in my books. Um, so 
when I when it goes to building my audiences, um, I don't follow trends on YouTube. I don't do challenges, really, um, any of that kind of stuff. I'm just true to myself and the message that I want to get across. Um, and I really don't focus on the numbers. Uh, I just kind of do what feels right for me and what you know my purpose is on on YouTube and Instagram. You know, and and the, it's very different between those two um youtube is more about you know my life and and how i'm able to live my life um the way that i do and and just sharing that and whereas instagram you know i have a guide dog so i'm like every other guide dog user who is obsessed with taking thirteen thousand photos of their dog every day um so you know instagram is is pretty flooded with uh with puppy uh, photos so um so yeah, it really depends. And, and same with that. I, I don't really, um, like I don't promote any of my content on Instagram, um, any of that kind of stuff. I, I really just use it for fun and to, you know, educate people and, and show off my dog. I see. Cool. And then, uh, Lucy, how about you? So I make sure to tweet everything I have. Uh, I tweet it frequently and I will go back and tweet older content every once in a while just to kind of give it resurfacing. That's pretty much all I do for promoting. I mean, I do talk to my friends. These videos are made for my friends mostly. So, you know, hey, did you watch that video last week I created? You know, this one was made with your idea in it, so forth. Um, I mean, for me, the idea is, is that somebody watches my video and cooks the dish. That's that's the real brush. I mean, I, I had one of my friends tell me the other day she just found my channel she was going to make the pizza with her daughter and then she texted me throughout the process telling me how it was going and it was like so exciting it was it was a huge adrenaline rush to have that happen and then you know she sent photos of the final result it was just awesome but the promoting it i've started creating the actual recipes that i create in the videos on my website and then i've uh put the video underneath the recipe. So I've got a lot of traffic to my website for my accessibility work. So I'm hoping I'll get a, a little bit more view from that, but not much. It's uh, again, it, it's to, if one person cooks one of those dishes and enjoys it, that's what I need. Yeah. Just making even that one impression is, is pretty powerful. The one thing I am hoping though, is that at some point in time, I do, as part of these, I do equipment reviews. So, you know, I'll talk about how the pasta machine I have is so digital that I have to trick it. I'm hoping that <laughs> the manufacturers see these videos and make our appliances better for us. Definitely. That, that's yeah. true. Yes. We definitely need more access to our gadgets, don't we? That aren't, that aren't so smart, or maybe they're getting smarter than we are. I don't know. <laughs> um, thank you. And, and speaking of, of, you know, equipment and things, I know we, we kind of touched briefly on this earlier about the equipment that you use. And I know that, you know, you, Lucy, said you had such a great experience with, with B&H and they really, you know, kind of connected you with, with a camera that meets your needs. Um, so, you know, just, and I, I know you said that's a little bit, that was a little bit more out of your price range than you wanted to spend, but you, do you personally find that using a, a digital camera is just more easier for your, your workflow? 
absolutely. I mean, a lot of my blind friends said, why don't you just use your phone? Just use a phone. And I talked to sighted friends and they said, no, don't use a phone. For what you're doing, a phone is not good enough. You know, it's not dynamic enough. So, I mean, the camera they gave me, what we did for the accessibility of it is they got me a remote control to go with it that has, you know, the four buttons I need on that remote control. That's it. Oh, so did they make it or did it come with it? Do you know? It came with it. Well, it didn't okay. come with it in the box. I bought it for, I bought extra, but it's one. Got it. Okay. One that Sony sells for the device and it's. Okay. It mean it just made it so much easier to use. Yes. Just having those tactile buttons away from where the lens is and my hands going all over the thing and touching it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, that's our, our world, right? We, we touch everything when we have to sometimes. And so. they got that. They got that. They said, we, you could even put a plastic bag over it. If you're worried about the fact that, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I have dough on my hands and they said, yeah, you right. can through the plastic bag. They got Excellent. it. I really yeah. would recommend anybody go to them, tell them your budget, and they will stay within it. It's just, I never can stay within a budget. That's, that's my, <laughs> my yes, understand. How about how about you, James? I know you also mentioned you use a, a, a Canon camera, I believe. What what has been your experience with using using your digital camera in addition or versus your phone? How does that work for you? Yeah, the phone is always, I think, the most successful camera. At the end of the day, it's it's built as a computer with a screen reader built in and magnification tools. Whereas a lot of these camera companies haven't picked up on, no matter how many times I tweet at them, um, that blind and low vision people want to uh, make video because it's a very relevant medium and and uh, format right now for sharing stories and content and and um, messages but i i will typically use the more expensive cameras well to be fair my phone is like as expensive as a camera nowadays anyway but i will use the the purpose cameras right for youtube videos for things that i need a little bit more depth of field or just just that little polish to. Um, if I'm sitting in front of the camera and that's what people are going to be looking at for the majority of the video, I will try and use those cameras that have a little bit longer workflow to put together with the lighting and, and, ever, and everything. But if it's like a little documentary thing where I'm switching between several different takes or several different shots and stuff, I might just say the iPhone is an easier workflow for me because you know I know what the edit's going to kind of look like people aren't going to be looking at me for the majority of it. So whether I'm taking the phone with me on the go and shooting as it's happening, or I even just set up the phone and I'm talking to them real quick, doing a quick intro and towards the end, maybe closing it. But yeah, that's, that's typically how I decide between what camera to use is, is if you're looking at it more, I'm going to try and use that higher quality for the sake of the sighties out there. Um, and they're precious, precious 2020. But if it's just a documentary or some sort of video that is taking you all over, right? Uh, it could be a vlog, could be some sort of like video essay. I'm going to probably shoot with my iPhone. Great. Thank you for that perspective. 
And Ashley, what about you? It sounds like you've used your your iPhone mostly. Is that true? Or do you also have a, a camera that you use as well? Uh, no, so I also have a camera that I use. So I use a Canon camera as well. Um, and I use that camera very similar to James. Um, you know, if I want, if it's just sit down content, you know, I'm sitting in front of the camera and I'm talking um, that kind of content, then I will use my Canon camera. Um, for the videos that I'm, you know, changing um, places or there's a lot going on or I'm vlogging, um, I typically use my iPhone. So I just put my phone on, I have a little tripod handle thing um, that I put my phone on and will use that um, for any of the you know content that I'm moving around more and that kind of thing, just for ease of use. I have vlogged in my house using my um, bigger camera, um, but it's just a little more cumbersome and, you know, it's not as easy to, to switch around and that kind of thing. So it really depends on the, the content that, I use, that I'm making, but it goes between my iPhone and my Canon camera. Nice. All right. Let's uh, talk about, you know, if someone out there listening has never used um, either YouTube or Instagram as far as being an actual content creator, and what kind of general advice would you give? And let's start with James on that one. Just kind of overall advice for getting into it. Yeah. And even using it, maybe just kind of summing up, you know, what we've talked about. Yeah. Um, going with the expectation that some things will be barriers uh, because you will encounter that. Um best thing we can do is kind of come together, talk about this and hopefully get the attention of the, you know, company that's at large and, and hopefully see a cultural change within that company and the products that they, and services that they offer to become more accessible. Uh, the other thing I would say is the internet can be mean. Um, you know, whatever people have said to you in person you're probably going to hear it online, if not worse, because people sadly feel some sort of comfort with um, being anonymous and, and, and all that. So I can say I've definitely built up a lot of thick skin doing YouTube since I was like 10 years old. I, I've heard it all. Um, but, you know, I still love it. I still love doing it. And, and the I think you have to sort of mentally prepare yourself for it. But the hundreds and 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 thousands of, of positive comments I've gotten over the years outshine the, the 10 to 20 negative ones and will always be more impactful to me and remind me why I do what I do. And, and um, I think it's just, you, you have to go into the expectation that this may come up. And honestly, I think if you do get a mean comment, you've probably made it. If you probably, uh, that means that people are reaching um, or, or getting your content. So I think uh Look at look at the light at the end of the tunnel there. It's just that people are seeing it. So um yeah, don't don't be too discouraged. It's you can't take it personally. Um people are just yeah, you can block them, you can you can filter out things on on your uh content. Um and that's that's it's an easy click or two to do. And um yeah, just kind of I think just try to your best to mentally move on from it and even just go back and reread some of the positive stuff that people share. You know, the, the paragraphs that people have left on my videos means so much to me. So 
Yeah, great points. A lot of people, you know, still like to hide behind the screen and a screen name and whatnot, and you have to just kind of ignore some of that and expect it to, like you said. Uh, Ashley, how about you? So I think for me, like the advice I would give to someone is just to go for it. You know, like really, um, you know, if you're doing it for the right reasons and, and you're doing it because you, you know, want to you know, make change or just have some fun with it. I think if you're interested in it, just try it out. Um, I think going into it, knowing that, you know, you know, the chances that you're going to get onto YouTube and, and, you know, in a year, year to two years have, you know, 3 million followers, um, probably slim. Uh, if you do awesome. Um, but you know, just going into it, not with that expectation. Um, and then, you know, don't worry about if it's perfect. Um, people are really watching your content for your content and you know nobody's perfect and if you can kind of get sucked into that on you know all social medias i find so you know if you're not striving for perfection i think you're going to do great and um and then a large part of it is the is like james said with the negative um, comments they can be harsh um there are a lot of the same stuff you're going to get in public, just maybe a little more crude um, behind a, a keyboard. Um, but I always just, you know, thank them for watching my content and um, and move on. Um, you will definitely need some thick skin. There's a lot of um, trolls out there who, you know, think it's funny or you know, for whatever reason. But the positive so much outweighs um, the negative for sure. Um, yeah, and I just think, you know, put yourself out there and, and do it for the right reasons. And it'll, it'll be fun. It'll be a great learning experience, if anything. And you don't have to commit to, you know, being on YouTube for 10 years, you know, even if you create three videos and you've had enough, that's fine. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Lucy, how about you? Anything to add to this? Sure. I mean, I think the most important thing to remember is you have to have fun. Make sure it's fun. If it's not fun, don't do it. Uh, like I said, when I was changing my cameras, the biggest reason to change the cameras was it was the inaccessibility of that other tool was just not making it fun. It was too hard and too disappointing. So have fun with it. Just try it, use it, uh, try a couple of different ways of doing things. If it's a dud, it's a dud. You can always go, you know, start with it public. If it, it ends up not working, you can always go private with it. Those are the, you know, this isn't real life, but it is real life. That's all the other thing that I, I wanted to say is people don't want you to do something that's fake and stilted and, you know, really rehearsed. YouTube is a place to be yourself and share what you think other people want to know. Well said, you Absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've had some really good conversation here around a lot of issues. And so it's, it's a little bit after four and we need to, I'm mindful of the time. So why don't we go ahead and see if we have any audience questions. Okay. So, and we do. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get to as, as many as we can. And then I want to give our panelists some time to, um, close it out. So let's just take a couple and. Okay. Desiree, go ahead, please. 
Hi, James. I have been watching you for a few years. I'm so delighted to see you here. Um, this is kind of a question to all of you. I don't mind the bad comments so much, um, and I haven't actually started. Um, I mean, I have a YouTube channel. I've done, you know, a little bit of content, um, and the bad stuff doesn't phase me one bit, but what I really struggle with is when they, excuse my language, bleeping put me on a pedestal. Like I've gotten somebody like, oh my God, you're going upstairs. You, you've changed my life forever. Everything is just, mm -hmm. you know, like, right. How, how do you cope with that? Cause that's just like, oh, come on, really? I'm just a human being doing my thing. <laughs> Yes, I think we've all faced that, haven't we? As as whether we're on YouTube being public or or just doing our living our lives, right? I think we've all kind of experienced that. Does does someone on the panel want to address that? I I can kind of talk on that a little bit. I mean, I will reply to some comments um, in a way to educate. But if you know me, I can be a little uh, sarcastic or snarky at times in the nicest way possible. Um, so I may try to like, you know, uh, try to hum humor the situation, right? And just be like, yeah, no, it's pretty easy. My legs just go up and down and up and down and, and uh, try some time. If, if you can't, totally understandable. I, I get it. But, um, you know, so it, it's just, yeah, I, I try to bounce back with a little humor and, and then maybe it just something might click of like, oh, right. I'm talking to a human, right? I don't know what, what's wrong with me, right? Why, why am I, why, why am I thinking this? So that's that's sort of what I'm hoping um, to do. And if people just get a little mean or weird about it, then it's it's kind of on them. It's their, it's, it's more of their problem, not mine. All right. Next, um, your next question is from Tiffany. Hey guys, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Wonderful. Um, so in listening to this great discussion, um, everyone brings up some uh, really valid points and everything. One thing I heard throughout the um, entire, entirety of the panel is there seems to either be someone with vision who can help or someone who has enough vision to kind of navigate the landscape of these social media platforms. And so one thing I've heard, because I just dabble around in Instagram and stuff like that and just take my own crappy pictures and stuff like that. But there are a lot of people who don't have any sort of sighted assistance and, or quite frankly, don't want it. Um, and so what, okay, or what kind of advice can you give to those people who, you know, don't have the luxury of their own sight or sighted assistance um, who want to get started in these, in these realms? Um, Great question. This is, this is Ashley. I can answer that. Um, so I typically do not have sighted assistance. Um, I like I said, like my husband is around sometimes, um, but I'm definitely one of those people who would prefer not to. I, you know, do everything I can possibly do to not need sighted assistance, and which is why I use Be My Eyes or Ira, and those are both great options um, to be able to create that content. As for you know putting the content online, um, uploading my Instagram, all of that, I don't use any sighted assistance for that. Um, and I'm totally blind as well. Um, so I think it, you, it is definitely possible without um, 
with outside assistance. Um, you know, it's just a matter of learning the tools and figuring out what works for you. Um, you know, what works for me might not necessarily work for someone else, but um, if you just play with it and, and uh, you know, figure out what works for you, I think, you know, it definitely can be done. Okay. Um, Men, I see that your hand is up. Are you there? I kind of want to answer that one as well a little oh, bit. sorry about that. Sorry. It, this is Lucy again. Uh, what I want people to think about is, yes, I have sighted assistance to help me, but again, like I said, I'm spoiled. You don't necessarily need sighted assistance, but what you should do is try creating something, then getting feedback from somebody. You have to get feedback from someone unless you don't care. I mean, you might be making this for a blind person only and for other blind people, then you don't need to care about the video portion of it. But, you know, try, try, try again is is the best thing that I can recommend to you. You know, place your camera in a certain way, make tape marks on the counter if you have to, to find Mm -hmm. where to put things and then ask somebody, did this work? And if they say, oh, you were too far to the left, well then move your tape mark a little bit and try again and get somebody to help you do that remotely. They don't have to be there in the room with you. It's a definite nice and makes life a little funner, but you can do this. Just don't expect to get it perfect on the first try. And again, as we've already said, perfect isn't necessarily the best content. All right, let's take one more question. All right. Um, there she is, Min. Hi. There you are. Okay. Um, thank you so much for doing this presentation and your really great advice. Um, I've learned a lot. And I just can ask a question more about the accessibility of commenting and replying to comments on Instagram and YouTube. Um, I have an Instagram account and I used to post on it, but it was not the most enjoyable experience. And so I dropped it because I was not having fun with it. Um, just in terms of, you know, um, posting was okay. Um, but I, you know, the commenting and then the replying to people was just taking too much time. Um, so I wanted to see how, if that has changed, um, or what your process is with, com- uh, you know, interacting with comments. I can kind of share what I use right now for Instagram. Again, I, as I mentioned, I have a lot of uh, issues with Instagram's accessibility, current state of it at least. And what I will do is I'll post obviously through the app, but I actually make use of their their online desktop um, website that's, that has gotten better. It's not a full-fledged app right now. You can do messaging on it. Um, so you can go through your DMs, you can do all that, um, but you can also comment and you can check out stories. And I found that pretty enjoyable and I found it a little easier to comment through the actual website at Instagram.com. So that's personally my current take on it and what I've been able to do. So, so I'm going to put a plug in right now for the YouTube creators app. Uh, I'm an Android user and I use the YouTube creators app on Android and it makes that whole process completely 100% accessible. Uh, It works really, really well. I I can get my analytics on the app and the analytics are actually very accessible. I really think they did a great job on that 
the only thing they left out. And once again, this is really important. They left out the captions and there's no way to edit your captions and upload your captions in there, which, you know, captions are really important, not only for accessibility, they help your views. Yes. Um, it's Ashley from a voiceover standpoint with Instagram um, commenting and stuff. I mean, like James, I have a lot of accessibility groups with Instagram as well. Um, it has gotten a little bit better um, over the last couple of years um, as for commenting. Um, but I linked my Instagram to my Facebook page for my blog. And using the page manager app um, with Facebook, I can see and comment, um, reply, all of that on um through that app um, on Instagram. Um, when it comes to like commenting on people's um, stuff that they've posted. So like if James was to post something and I wanted to comment, I find that pretty easy um, using voiceover on my phone. Like I said, it's definitely come a long way um, when it comes to voiceover. Um, but I mean, there's still a long way to go, but it can be done. I think it's definitely gotten a lot easier. Um, and if, you know, linking through YouTube or Facebook or some of those other um, accounts can also um, help with replying to comments and, and that kind of thing. I'm just going to break in real fast and just say that you have three minutes left. Yes. And I still have a closing CEU code to give. I know. So in that, um, I'm not going to, let's not take any more questions at this time. I want to give our panelists again, who've graciously given their time with us today to tell us how we can find them and help support them on their journey. So let's start with Lucy. How can people find you and eat some of that? I mean, dream about eating some of that yummy food you, you cook. How can we find you? Well, first of all, if you're ever local in the Bay Area, you can come <laughs> over and try the food too. Um, I have everything linked on my website now. So you can find me at accessaces.com. So that's A-C-C-E-S-S-A-C-E-S.com. And uh, that's the home for everything, Lucy. Excellent. Thank you. And... Um, James, what about you? Where can people, how can people find you? Yeah, uh, I am just James Rath uh, on most social platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, uh, I guess it's youtube.com forward slash James Rath or user forward slash James Rath. I think either works. Um, my website's jamesrath.la and then my podcast and my um, travel related content that uh, I do or are just trying to really promote accessibility in all parts of the world with guests and stuff is blindabroad.com. And um, for James Rath, it's R-A-T-H, just drop the W, I'm not that angry. So <laughs> Awesome. Thank you. And Ashley. So um, I'm just, it's just blind moving on across most, uh, across all social media. So Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, um, it's just at blind moving on. And my website is blindmovingon.com. Um, and same with YouTube. It's uh, just youtube.com slash blindmovingon. Great. Well, thank you again so much. Be sure to check out these, um, these folks and their great content and reach out to them if you have additional questions. With that, uh, Mika, would you, you have our code? I do. <clears throat> the code is D as in Delta, 5 Three, six, B as in Bravo. And once again, that's D as in Delta. Five, three, six, 
B as in Bravo. Also, Great. just wanted to mention very briefly again uh, for the last time, if you're interested in joining ACB Next Generation, acbnextgen at gmail.com and facebook.com slash acbnextgen.